Do you have breakfast in here? What part? Do you breakfast? No, God, no. Breakfast no. for wimps? No, no, I have breakfast at home. Jesus, it costs money. It's early morning here on James Street South in the restaurant of the same name, a place I have eaten many, many times, enjoyed some great meals. Today we're going to speak to the man behind this restaurant, Nan McKenna, a man who is the premier crew of the Northern Ireland restaurant scene. Together with his wife Joanne, he's built up a name for serving some of the most exciting dishes of consistently high quality to diners at this restaurant, which is based in Belfast Linen Quarter, and also in Hadskies in the Cathedral Quarter. He's also got a cookery school and a busy private dining part of the business. Nan McKenna, uh, welcome to the How I Got Here podcast. Good morning. I want to start with a very easy question, particularly this time of the morning. Give us an insight into a typical day for Nan McKenna. Being rested, it's uh, usually first up in the house, um, early riser. Joanne's a very late riser. They give her a good nudge to get out of bed, and that's my wife. And kids, breakfast, school, cup of coffee, first thing, get myself going. And uh, and then straight into work. Um, it's usually into the office, meeting with Dave, my executive chef, and then all the girls in the office, so Mary Carr, Belinda, Louise, and just touch and base. And at the same time, you're going through your phone. So all your, your WhatsApp from the night before, all your readings from the night before, you sort of get all the information so your head's right in the right place. And as Joanne says, it's all about lists. So we keep on doing lists and what you have to do for the day and ticking off. And it's sort of with Marie Claire, I've got my whole week to two weeks based out what kitchen I'm in, what cookery school I'm in, who am I dealing with today, who we're talking to today. And you're just trying to fit everything as much as possible into the day you've got. And then after that there, it's just one of those ones. You start at half nine, you're there to whenever you're there to, really. And it is, it's just because you're the owner, you mean, you have to be over as much as possible. And also dealing with people, listening to people, giving people time. And to me, that's the most important time. Time isn't the, the killer of all businesses, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's just managing your time as good as possible. So it's not, you know, in my mind, you're the owner of a successful couple of restaurants. In my mind, you know, you come in, make sure everybody's doing what they should be, taste a couple of dishes, you know, home to me, that's, No, that's no good. No, it's, it's been interesting. Years ago, it was that way, but now it's more the business side where you're trying to overlook its budgets, margins, quality. And to me, the, the whole thing now is the quality aspect, quality of the product, quality of the dishes, and really, you mean, trusting your team to do the job right, but at the same time, you, you're constantly looking, you're constantly, you mean, looking what they're doing, your kitchen over it, not necessarily being on the stoves, nothing better than being on the stoves, like in, ha- in hat skis on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, somebody goes down for Sunday, I'll be into the kitchen. But it's, it's, it's just constantly looking around you, and it's just experience, it's years of experience, you just know, you know by the way, somebody's getting on the kitchen, you know what mood they're in, and being realistic, then you look at what type of dishes they're putting up and how they're doing it, is the passion there, and that's what you're looking at. And it, to me, it's just being a real people's person and understanding people and reading people, and that's all part of your day. So you're constantly looking at everything around you, from extraction to the waste to the bins to staff on the floor. It's just it's just experiences, and I think it's just in any business you're in, you learn it, and you learn, you learn by the feel, you know. And that, that real attention to detail, is, is you know one of the, the the central kind of core of, of success. Oh, it's totally. It's like I went. I, I was outside the other day. There, walked past the restaurant. The sills outside the restaurant were clean. Grab some uh, blue roll, wipe them down myself, 
And to me, it's, it's about the small things from the outside walking in, it's from the toilets to the, to the kitchen. Um, it's the whole, pa- it's a whole package staff uniforms, the parents of staff, you know, even down to the, it sounds really weird, do they have cologne on or not? You know, because you won't do want somebody, deodorant's brilliant, it's unbelievable, but perfume's one of those ones, if it's too strong, somebody's eating a meal, you know, you go into their space, it's, it's one of those ones. You, you have to be very careful of the whole picture, from the front of the house to the back of the house to the porter being in a uniform, the whole way through. So that that attention to detail seeps down through the business and that everybody... It stops the tarp the whole way around from the accountant the whole way through and, it's, and it really is driven by like Joanne, myself, uh, David, Paul, my, my, my senior management. And you, but at the same time, you're constantly on them. They keep it, is this good enough? And I keep on asking the guys, is that good enough? You know, napkin falls on the floor, customer drops a napkin on the floor, you pick it up. You put it away, you grab a fresh one, you give it a fresh one straight away. If somebody comes in and it's their birthday, we know about it. We want it to have put a card waiting on the table for them. So this, to me, there's nothing nicer than that there. Like one day a customer's in the restaurant, he turned around to a member of staff, and got a paper and waiting on the client to come in half an hour. David turned around and says, there's two quid, go and get a paper. Came back, give the customer a paper. To me, that's what the industry is about. Mm-hmm. It's about, it's about, you mean, it's a hospitality, and that's the key, the key thing about the industry. It's getting into the guys from the girls in the office the whole way down, how you answer the phone, hospitality, hospitality, and being hospitable. Mm-hmm. And that is the key about our industry. So your industry that you're in, take us back to when you knew you wanted to get into that industry. You know, <laughs> you know, was it from was it from three years old? Was it from being realistic? It probably started when I was about ten, and it's from from granny to my mum about cooking. Um, my mum never cooked in house when she was young. It was, I mean, they came from a big family. My granny did all the cooking. My dad, got, mum got married. She had to learn how to cook very quickly, and she's a very competent cook. And uh, and that's where I got the passion from. Meals every night at the table, good quality, fish on a Friday, all the usual. Saturday was a big Ulster fry. And that's what it was in our house, set in stone. Nobody left the table until it was finished. Mm-hmm. And there was no uh, tablets, iPods or phones. Everyone got turned off and had a good bit of crack and a bit of chat in the house. And then got into the Scouts, campfire, Batumna, cooking competitions. How can we cook on fire? Drums dropped into the, into the ground with charcoal, trying to make ovens and stuff. And all of a sudden, you know, and it's, it is, like, I look back now, it's full circle. What I was doing when I was, like, 13, 14 is actually what I'm doing now, char- cooking in charcoal. Right, right. But, um, and then going from there, and then all of a sudden I turn around, and, like, I wasn't really academic at school by any stretch, really into sport and having a bit of fun and all the rest of it. But I just knew from an early age I want to be a chef. Um, so I started in the Strand restaurant many, many years Strand. ago. Yeah, Anne Turkington, what a legend. And uh, Stephen Gow was the head chef, and then... Just went from there, and uh, I just it was just one of those things. It was a very very busy restaurant in those days. There wasn't too many restaurants in Belfast, and uh, I worked there from about the age of fifteen. And then I said, right, I, I really want to do this. So this is where I want to get into. And uh, so went to college. Uh, worked into Belfast Nat- Met. Yeah, Belfast Met. Uh, it was it was a college of business studies then, and then moved to Belfast Met. But it was brilliant. Mr. McVeigh, pastry chef, and. Uh, Really old, old time. How do you describe? Tons of experience lectures, and their experience was unreal. Their experience was just unreal, and they they were telling you when they were in the boats or when they were going working in America or Germany or Switzerland and all the rest, and just the stories you got from them. And they, they were they were passionate. And they pushed you on. They give you loads of advice, and the advice wasn't oh the hours are terrible and all the rest. But the hours are the day will fly through. You're being creative. You're being passionate and being realistic if you're into it, you're into it, and I'm into it, I just love it. 
So uh, I went from there to Nadrian and really learned my butchering skills there from a guy called CJ and Pat Kells, Clifford Caspi, and working with game. And it was just, you mean, they were doing flambe, oh, classic flambe at a yeah. table. And you mean, it was just under. I never seen any of this stuff. I hadn't got a clue or anything about it. Because the Donati back then, that was oh, the it was place just, to go, oh, it? The, the, the river room and all the rest it was absolutely beautiful. The trolleys, and it was just a real structured kitchen. And that's what I need. I need structure in my life, and uh, discipline. And uh, so it was just, I learned so much there. And I moved from home, moved up there, worked there for a year and a bit, and then a restaurant in Belfast called Roscoff opened. And then I worked for Paul Rankin for, God, two and a half years, three years. And, I mean, once again, then Paul opened, opened my mind to food um, and cuisine about taste, flavours. Um, because mean, that, that was, Roscoff was, was oh, breaking new ground in Belfast at the time. But at the they? very beginning, like, Roscoff didn't do well at all. People in Belfast just didn't get it. Right. And, you know, I mean, Paul, Paul and Jeannie were just, like, they were groundbreaking. Like, Robbie Miller wasn't even there at that right. point. Shirley wasn't there at that point. Um, Alistair was in the kitchen, Darren Simpson was there, you know, you had amazing chefs, young, passionate chefs, um, and it was just then, then I came aboard and then met Robbie and Shirley and all, all the team, and I mean, I loved it, you know, don't get me wrong here, me and Paul are best of friends, but I was definitely his stress toy, <laughs> you know, I got a hard time in the kitchen, and I'm not just, I'm, well, what for, what for? Just because I was there, really, right, and okay. I could take it. You yeah, know, the rest yeah, were a bit precious. Yeah. I wasn't. I just got on with it, you know. And uh, it was like even this day, I still keep very much in contact with him. He's now up in the Isle of Skye. He's opened his own restaurant. Right. Nearly sixty, opening another like a, a pub. I mean, and good luck to him. He's mad, but good luck to him. <laughs> you know. But um, and then I worked for Paul. Left Paul. Went to London. What what took you to London? Did you I just, just think- I just needed to get. I just I wanted to travel. I wanted to see. Um, I wanted to get. I wanted to get a big city. I just love big cities, and uh, I just. Uh, I mean, I worked at Nigos and worked at the Canteen, and worked with Paul Flynn and Tim pa- Tim Payne at the Canteen. Worked at the Avenue with Dean Carr, then went to Ferndale Hotels, and these were all really. Everything I went to were the the restaurants, which you mean were busy, were the quality of product that we using was second to none. Some were very expensive, some were just expensive, you know. None were. I mean, cheap. They're all around Mayfair, so it's always a set standard. And to me, with that there, then you were surrounded with the similar people who were driving, were pushing themselves, and that's what I fed off. You mean I fed off competition? I fed off you mean these people? And when I work with them, I'm not necessarily one of my best friends, but now like since I left those places, now like Dean Carr, one of my best friends, Wayne Tapperfield, definitely one of my best friends. You know Ray Brown. You know there's a list of people who I've worked with. Now I get my goosebumps here. But these, <laughs> these guys are just like top. What I learned from them. And they were only like three, three, four years older than me. Yeah, yeah. But it was getting your head into the books, reading, passing it, listening, looking. And that's how you learn. You mean, listening, looking at the guys around you, asking, everybody says, oh, you don't ask. Ask the stupidest question going, because that's how you learn. Don't be afraid to ask a question. And trust me, I, I some doozies, some real doozies. And these guys were real, I mean, East End accents. And I couldn't Proper have Proper boys. Oh, but I couldn't understand what they were saying. I was going, what the hell's going on here? And I went up there, like I was working for Gary Rhodes. And of all the chefs... Gary Root seems like a nice guy. Gary's hard, tough in the kitchen, but of all the chefs I've ever worked with, you know, he has to be one of the most organised, focused individuals I've ever met in my life. Right. And that's what I learned from him. Passion of food. And the thing about his food, it was very simple, but the amount of work went into it was unreal. Like, it was it was crazy. And, you know, I mean, I, this day, I've never worked anywhere where there was so much effort went into, like, the stocks, the jus... So the you real know, base, the base, base of everything was just unreal. And like, uh, you mean, like, 
like awesome book. He was using beef shin, awesome bugle, calves feet. Like the most expensive stocks in London, and he would, and the, that's everything came from from the brown chicken stock to the fish stock to the the, the 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 beef stock, the veal stock, whatever it may be. That was everything from his bread, everything the whole way through. It was all about quality, and that's one thing you learned: the people around you, quality, quality, quality. And no matter what, if it's not right, it's not right. And keeping asking yourself the question: Is that good enough? And I keep on saying either: Is that good enough? Is that the standard that I want? Can I do better? And I remember always the chef who said to me: If you think you have to work harder, work harder. You know, I said, if you have any doubt in your head you're not working hard enough, then you mean you have to work harder. And you mean, like I remember in the afternoon you might get an hour's break. You took a forty-minute nap, double espresso, straight back in again. But the days flew in. You must have been working hard then. You were, every those days, you, you mean you you were, you were war working hard. You were working like eight o'clock in the morning to eleven o'clock at night. For five days a week. Five days a week. You were straight through, and then some, and then like uh, twice twice a week, I had to go and do the Covent Garden run. So I then got up at four. <laughs> so I had to stay up at four, go to Covent Garden, do the veg, uh, the, uh, all ban all the veg for the uh, the Avenue and the Capital Hotel, and uh, then Van Guy picked it up delivered it and then I went into work and that, that day there around about half nine you know everybody knew not to talk to me because at that point my eyes were closing <laughs> and then I was allowed to go home early at ten o'clock ten o'clock geez. oh wow big wow ten o'clock and the amount of times I fell asleep in the tube going home four, four stops <laughs> four passed stops. and you're going oh, back again And but those are the days and I, I truly loved it and then um, at the same time I was doing like a thing called stages where I was actually going to restaurants to work for nothing and you know all different restaurants. I mean, round on the got so many. I couldn't even name half of them. Sorry, sorry. To, to work for it, nothing. Yeah, you work for nothing. You just on your day off, you went in to work in other restaurants, <laughs> and that would be that would be very very normal in the restaurant world. Right. But that's experience. So it's like you're doing your your, your foundation. Yeah, yeah. So by just working in one restaurant on your day off, then you, you you go to work in another restaurant. So a you're getting fed. Fair enough. And to your learning, and most important thing, you're learning contacts. You learn new friends, yeah. new contacts, meet new head chefs, and then when you go to leave your job, you think, God, I really, when I went to Tom Clare, work with Pierre Kaufman, God, that was amazing. I want to go and get a job there. You're in there straight away because yeah, he knows you're working there for nothing. You're top of the list. You want to go to Noma, or Nobu, sorry, not Noma, Nobu, you know what I mean, work with Mark, you know, if you want the Asian style or whatever you want, whatever you want to go to. That's what it's about. And it's about, you mean, people turn around and say, oh, I worked there and I need to get paid but when I was there and hundreds of chefs done it where they're yeah. just to get in the door and work like say even a half a day or one day off you went you know and that's what it was about and you mean getting your grounded getting to know people and you know I mean that's the key thing about the job it's, it's just putting yourself out there pushing yourself forward this whole thing where you stand behind emails and yeah, yeah, send yeah, your yeah, CVs yeah. off the way I did it knocking the door like I remember I went down to Harvey's to work for Marco and it was the day before he was getting married. Uh-huh. And I sat there and sat there and sat there. I borrowed his shirt, borrowed his suit. And uh, and at that time, Stephen Terry and Gordon Ramsay were in the kitchen. And they were trying to figure out how long is this Paddy going to sit there until he realises that Marco's not here. <laughs> you know? And I'm sitting there and he says, he's bound to come back. He's bound to come back. I've just flown in from Belfast. And uh, he forgot about me. I'm sitting there like that there. And then later, later life, I mean, we, we, we crossed paths in later life and all the rest of it. And then the manager who was there, I then, just showing how small London is, I then, he comes GM of the greenhouse, and he walks past me in the kitchen, looks at me, says, nah, how are you? <laughs> and I went, I can't believe you remember her name, says, man, 
you made us laugh for about four days. <laughs> and I turn around and he says, like, you're stubborn. And I says, yeah, I am stubborn, you know. And he says, but you're, you're legendary and all the rest of it. And he turned around. So once again, years later, you meet these individuals. And, I mean, that guy there is still a very good friend. Yeah. And that, that's what it's all about. You just keep going and pushing yourself forward. Knock it on doors. And you will get rejected. You will turn around and say, oh, you're not good enough or whatever. And I have taken jobs where I knew I went into jobs what I wasn't ready for. So sometimes I take two steps back to make right, one right, step yeah, forward. Yeah. And especially in our career, a lot of chefs think, I can cook, I can cook. And next thing, you're going against somebody who can really cook. Mm-hmm. And you realize, actually, I'm not that good. Yeah, exactly. So you, you, mean, need you need sometimes take a step back, regroup, and then go from there. Yeah. There's not many other industries where you would find people on their day off going... See, I disagree with it. I just think, and no matter what you do, I mean, if you want to be passionate and be what you want to do from being a spark, being a joiner, going to open university, going to college in your day off, yeah. it's all the same thing. What I'm doing is exactly the same thing as going to an A class or whatever else. You know, you do it in your day You're off. And, day and off, me, yeah. if there's a certain individual, I want to move up a ladder, I want to go from an, an accountant to an actuary, you're going to have to yeah, do extra work. To you know, I want to do a clerk to an accountant. You need to do exams, and it's exactly the same as our industry. You need to do these things. Yeah, yeah. So take us from you're in London. Yeah. Uh, Joanne, jo- you're with Joanne. Joanne, at this point, um, at this point, then I come back to Belfast. I actually, I'll tell you a story. I met Joanne in, in Camden Market. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say I was rude. I was just grumpy that day. So she walked away. Didn't Legendary. want to know me. Yeah, yeah. Just I was just tired or tongue over one or the other. <laughs> and uh, see, met Joanne, and then she tried, I was I wouldn't off with her a wee bit. And I knew her from Belfast. And then she just, uh, you're, you're an arse, go away. And uh, so uh, then next thing, about almost seven months later, eight months later, I was wa- walked in the lavatory and she's sitting there. That day was in good form. <laughs> walked over to talk to her and she turned around. She was in bad form. So she first she told me very politely to go away right. and I turned around. Oh. So I went around and ended up marrying her. And, uh, and uh, then... Uh, and you had moved back to... At, at this point, at this point, um, Joanne was, um, what was it? Joanne was still Queen's. Um, she, she left Queen's, she was doing uh, voluntary work and all the rest of it and then she said to me, I'm going to London in six months so I was back from London and uh, I said, okay, I followed over so, so you went back to London? So I went back to London then so no, I were in London for about uh, 12 years, 13 years wow. 12 years I was there for and near the end I, we got married and then I turned around and said, John, I'm going to go home here so I came back, set up 10 Square and uh, got a good, I mean, worked there, set it up Beautiful restaurant, mm. or beautiful uh, porcelain was a beautiful restaurant. Really, it was owned by the Hill Brothers. They did like they threw, they spent the money on it. Should I say they really spent the money on it? Great designer, same designer who designed uh, Nobu in London yeah. Hotel there. So a beautiful job. Worked there six months contract, and then decided look to Belfast. Went to myself. I think I'm going to a restaurant in Belfast. At this point, we've just bought a, a flat in London. All the rest. But Joanne says, Are "You serious?" I'm just married to so Joanne. I came back here, opened a restaurant. Joanne queued me through for three years, and she like we sort of lived off her wage because the restaurant was just as you know, open a new business. You're this putting, this uh, restaurant, yeah, we're sitting James, in, Street. James Street, and uh, and uh, Mr. Uh, Shields and Mr. Crow who own the buildings around us really supported us. They didn't stand in their way. Really helpful, and uh, so I came back here, opened a restaurant up. The only people I knew in Belfast was Paul Rankin and Robbie Miller. Good start. 
you know, and uh, I asked him advice and I asked, right, who's the suppliers? Because I didn't know anybody. I've been away for so long. Yeah. You know, I didn't even know who Michael Dean was. <laughs> you know, he's Michael Dean. Didn't know who Michael Dean was. Um, you Nick, Nick at Nick's Warehouse. You yeah. Nick, because yeah. you went there first time about muscles in Nick's Warehouse <laughs> with the jam plan. Yeah. Jam in the Black Town called Malice and eating muscles. Work that one out. You know, um, but it was just, uh, it was one of those things. Just came back here. Robbie was brilliant. Remember, we were doing the fit out. Robbie came down the first day. What a guy. I mean, he was just unbelievable. And uh, he, he's a, it was just brilliant. And I opened the restaurant up. And then in the restaurant, um, started off. And some of the guys who worked me with, with me in uh, 10 Square, Gareth McCahey, who is now at Mother's Club, owner of Mother's Club. Yeah. Am, amazing chef. Really passionate. Sometimes we were too passionate and loud. But he's, he's one just of the... Is here? Uh, yeah. No, he's not. No, I'm talking... At a certain level, I wouldn't say like a Gordon Ramsay. We're just, we're just passionate, you know, yeah. and straight. And there's no, no back talking. And, uh, but Gareth, you know, what a guy. You mean, just really focused. You mean, whatever he gets into, he really does his best, like from judo to cooking to... He's now in his, as Harley Davidson's motorbike guy. And it suits him perfectly, you know, but as a chef, as a restaurateur, 100%. What's it like seeing somebody like that that's come through the ranks with you? You always get a good meal, you know? You <laughs> <laughs> always get a good meal. You get good attention. You don't need a, you don't need yeah, a discount, yeah, yeah, but you get a good meal. And, uh, you know, and uh, you know, and then there's like Stephen Toman, who owned a restaurant called Ox, other side of town. Um, great chef. Yeah. Great passionate guy. Very, very funny guy. Um, when I said the people to sort of go, what? And I says, yeah, but he's really focused. You know what? Stevie's very funny. Really funny guy. And these guys worked with me for years. And then over the years, God... From Eddie to Brand Donnelly to you know, so many yeah, chefs yeah. have come, come through, through the, the doors. And as I said to them all, you mean you can do it. If you want to open your own business, you have to understand how tough it is. Yeah. And sometimes even I think to myself, did I really do the right thing with my own business? What I had to sacrifice, the hours, not taking holidays for years after years after years. So, th- so that's that's re- that's kind of really interesting. Going from and a lot of people will be thinking yeah. this: they're, they're in nice steady jobs. They've got a salary coming in every month. Oh. How how nerve wracking is it? to take the, the jump to sign up at least for a building it is to, to, to get a loan to buy anybody, stuff anybody who opens a business no matter what it's from a shoe shop to a restaurant to reputations doesn't make a difference what it is anybody opens a business you have to respect them because it is the, the most nerve wracking hard thing to do because you have to deal with customers you have to deal with staff and you're responsible for their mortgages and you just can't take it willy nilly because you have to pay your taxes you have to pay all that out and then you have to pay your wages and if you're lucky yeah, you get a bit of dough at the end of it, and that's what it's all about. And you mean, and you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was always treated the best by employers. And one thing me and Joanna always said, we will always do our best for our staff, our people. You know, but it has to go both ways. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we we have had people work with us where it hasn't worked out. We have worked with people who are amazing. You know, you know, and they come back and work for us, and um, maybe go travelling and come back. But over the years, in general, we have had. I've been privileged to say we have some amazing, truly amazing staff workers in the team, and you know I'm some of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. You know because once we sign at the back, if you're not, just come and work for us because <laughs> the, 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 the days you're in the kitchen, the, yeah. the hairs are tripping off you, <laughs> and on the floor as well. But we've been very, very, very lucky, and plus from all around the world, you know people working for us has been very, very unique. When when did you know that it was a success? Because I imagine opening it, not even you know, even after three months, you're, uh, even if it's packed, you're still I, a wee bit I, nervous. That I, I realised we were doing something. I don't know about success is the word I'd use. I know we were doing well because we were getting um, three wine deliveries a week, and 
and you were doing well. But at the same time, you I mean we made a lot of mistakes, and we were in the boom time. Yeah, you. Well, that was what two thousand and three. Yeah, 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 and then yeah, straight the whole way up there. You know the boom time. So being honest, it was a bit of a false economy, and you're thinking to yourself, God, I'm flying, I'm making this money, I'm doing this here, I'm doing that there. But the problem is, you know, the recession came, and you're thinking to yourself, I look back and I says. How much money did I waste? Because I look at you're looking at every cost now, and you're thinking I yep. can save there, save there, save there. You know, from paper or going to Tesco to get your bleach because it's fifty p cheaper a bottle than, yeah, yeah. than getting it from your supplier. And that's we still do it this day. Right. You know, we'll buy like fifty bottles or whatever it may be, and you're trying to find from names of paper to everything else. Because to me, a paper goes to a printer, a paper goes to a printer. So that means you, you save there. That means you got more to spend on your really on your meat, your fish, yeah. your wine, your linen. If you've got linen on, whatever it may be, your glasses, your cups, your all the rest, the things that people can touch just and to, eat. Just to, yeah, that's yeah. the most important thing because I'm a real touchy feely person. Yeah. So it's from the top of the table to the chairs, and you I mean you can check in the bottom of chairs. Is there chewing gum there? You know, because that is like you I mean yeah, that's you know, and uh, that's what we do. So to me, it's it's about the way I was trained. It's a bit of small detail, but making sure everybody else is trying to think the same way. You know, and that's what's that's what's about for me. And and for, so from you know successfully opening a restaurant and then deciding to expand more yeah. to had skis. We had no choice. The reason why we expanded, no, it's, it was really. I mean, with James Street School going, the recession came along, and I said to Joanne, we're going to have to expand. And <laughs> Which went, is an odd thing to say. Oh, totally. <laughs> we, we, she turned around. Are you serious? And I says, this is where I'm coming from. Yeah. Fine dining. We're going to a recession. We won't last through this here. We have to expand. And then uh, the building next door came up for rent. We said, we'll open next door. We'll do a bar and grill, French brasserie, American steakhouse type type of job. But he says, Joanna, certain things I want on the menu. I want really good meat. I want fish in the bone. I want a burger on the menu. It has to be burger, fresh pasta, fresh bread, souffle. And he says, my favorite desserts, sticky toffee sundae and baked Alaska. <laughs> you know, and crab and chili linguine. So certain dishes to put on, which I yeah. love. Yeah. Crab and toast, things like that. There, I just love. I've had the big Alaska. You know, it's very good. It, it's, it's sinful, you know. It really is bad for you, you know. But I just love it, you know. Plenty of sugar, sweetness, perfect. And uh, but it's it's one of those things. You turn around to yourself. This is what I want to do, and we we made the move. Thank God we did. And then we turn around and says, right, we're still in the station. Is the dynamics of Belfast going to change? So at that point, there everybody was talking about the Cathedral Quarter, Cathedral Quarter, Cathedral Quarter. Yeah. And the Cathedral Quarter now is over there, we opened Hatskis up, sort of based on, you mean, Barfina, Culpeps in Barcelona, open kitchen, you're looking down, you can sit on the pass, plus there's a restaurant, not a massive wine list, mm. but 30, no, 50 bottles, but really good quality wine list changed regularly. The food is that real, you know, like there's bacon, egg and chips in the menu, um, the, the meatballs, all your Chateaubriand, and your tomahawk steak, your fish, you know, your orchette, trophy, stuff like that there, you know, and it's really solid dishes. Mm-hmm. And the menu, half the menu's never changed since the day we opened because yeah. we can't physically take them off the menu. I think it'd be shot if I did, you know. <laughs> so they just keep on going out and then we, we, we you know, tweak around seasonally and all the rest of it. But it's one of those restaurants that's very different from James Street South and it's very different from the Barn Grill at the time. And it was more buzzy, people coming in, sitting in the bar, 15 minutes, going straight down to Duke York or yep. Hard Bar or over to Dirty Onion, wherever they were going to go, straight in there. And that's the whole thing, real buzz, walk in, walk out, bookings. Very loud restaurant. I love loud, buzzy restaurants. And I think it's probably from the years of being in James Street. I mean, it was, I wouldn't say James, for, for that type of restaurant, it definitely wasn't a quiet restaurant, even though we got soundproof and putting in. It was still a buzzy restaurant. And yeah. I love, you know, out there like uh, in New York, uh, 
Gramercy Tavern, places like that, yeah. that are, you know, social eating house. I just love those type of restaurants where they're really just buzzy, really good food, great wine list, really friendly service. Because one thing I don't want to do, and I said to Joanne from day one, I don't want to, I don't want to sit in a morgue. <laughs> I, I, I have a meal. I want atmosphere. I yeah, yeah. You buzz. want a bit of noise in the background. And some people turn around and say, "Oh, the restaurants are a bit too loud." But to me, some people love it. So now we have sort of like divided, but we'll go into that later on. So within the restaurants, opened Hatskis. The theatre court was brilliant, and then a few days later, we realised, you know, we need to change James Street. Find Island's dead. Lynn on tables. It's going to come back at some point, but not now. So we decided the biggest move ever was to merge the two restaurants yep. together and the hardest thing was merging the two teams together like really? that was oh that was so hard and just as you different do, mindsets or just different mindsets but at the same time I came with a really good idea or Joanne did both of us it's our fault um, let's get a new tilt system as well right to pa- no, no, just to pile it on even more because you haven't enough of a chance exactly and it was just uh, without doubt in my career the merging of those two restaurants in September just before Christmas um, 2018 had to be the hardest thing we've ever done you know because our own success people knew where we were coming from walking into Christmas it was absolutely crazy so even this Christmas coming the numbers would last year let's do less every day <laughs> and I mean all everybody even Belinda in head office who does all the reservations she says let's drop it down yeah, people have a like a far better, a better experience. Staff, more to the point, the kitchen can handle it better. The staff can handle it better, and it's just it'll be really. Good. Even though last Christmas was amazing. Yeah, you were knackered by the end of the night. Uh, yeah, I was busted. Like I lost, I lost a stone and a half. You know, you know. So I don't uh, do that again. So one, oh, I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> but um, but it was just one of those. That it was very very difficult. And then it was just it was because we had the team around us, um, but got us through. Paul and Dave, you know, the guys were amazing. And then we had all the guys in our private dining rooms, and they they had it locked down, so the consistency was there. But at the same time, you could see where you know people expect you to open a restaurant, and straight away this is what we're going to do. Yeah, we have merged James Street and the Barn Grill together, and we have opened James Street up. So it's just straight James Street now at this point. And I said, right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start bringing a little bit of James Street South dishes in, a little bit of the Barn Grill dishes in, and then we're going to build on it. Let's build on the dishes, let's build on the service, let's build on the experience. And even if you open a new restaurant, that's not going to happen straight away. So it takes time. Yeah. Six months, nine months, a year. And that's even now, we're still tweaking it. Like where James Street used to be, um, you know, it's a private dining room, it still needs work. So it's one of those ongoing things. You're constantly tweaking, you're constantly yeah. changing, and you're constantly trying, just trying to make yourself relevant within Belfast, within Northern Ireland, within Ireland. And you're looking at the big picture for tourism, people coming from Dublin to Belfast, look at the whole package. And so you, you want to be relevant, you want to be the tourist number one spot, you know, to come to. And the moment now we're doing very, very well. You know, we're, we're, we're getting really good clientele and we're getting really good feedback about Belfast, really good feedback about other restaurants. Like their turnarounds, oh, yeah, you go at, you know, up and shoe. And you mean, nine times out of ten, they're saying to us, the quality of the food within Belfast and that to me is like a credit to like some really really you know, Chris up in Deans of Queens cracking chef mm. you know I mean epic Stevie Ox you know I mean I love the bow tree in the Holy Lands yeah. you know it's a uh, we, we Thai restaurant I just love it Mack on Lisburn Road you know uh, 27 no, uh, 27 Mumbai great Indian you know so within the, such a small place we are we are very much spoiled but 
So, 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 where where do you go now? I mean, where, where does where does James um, Street go now? To me, within James Street now at the moment now, because because we've got the cookery school, we're having really dipped in the cookery school. We've got the cookery school. We've got our apprenticeship scheme. You know, we're very heavily in with Belfast Met because they've just done an amazing job. I got an honorary professorship from the University of Ulster, which is a very which is a great honour. And working with the University of Ulster, which is an amazing university, like you mean for, for our industry and for degree students, because we're, we're constantly getting degree students in the workforce part time, and uh, and uh, I mean the quality coming through, like it's it's just class. Like I mean, their mentality, their professionalism, and because they've done that one course, one thing opening in a hotel is one working in a hotel is one thing, working in a restaurant to me is totally totally different and especially if you've got it you're, you're coming from like a degree course and you say right I want to get into hospitality and you're going to multiples you know everybody says yeah. to me what's, what's, the, what's the most what's, what, what restaurant chain do you look at you really respect and I says there's only one I mean it's uh, Pizza Express <laughs> and now people look at you right in the head now Pizza Express yeah because you look at every Pizza Express you go to the pizza are exactly the same so to me now it doesn't make a difference how good the pizzas are you know, to me, there's a consistency of what the product they're trying to put out. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to put this pizza out and every other the same. That's the, the, now they think if they get a good pizza, fair enough. But to me, the consistency and the holy grail from a coffee shop to whatever you want to do is consistency. And if you do multiples, that is the hardest thing to do. It's the one thing you have to work on so hard. And to me, that, that's what it's all about. Wow. And so people look at me, but you go in, the look, the design, and then you get your pizza. So you go back once, or I go to somewhere in Yorkshire it'd be the same pizza if I go to London it's the same pizza and to me that's really hard to do within our industry because once again you're dealing with different people different areas different suppliers possibly but the same thing is that consistency and it costs an awful lot of money so to me within our company that's where I want I want to get it consistently it's not that I'm going to open a lot of restaurants we've got the, we've got James Street going now, we've got Hatskies going, we've got the, the cookery school going, we're about to move the cookery in January to a new site over in Hill Street, mm-hmm. which we're going from 10 in the class up to 18, um, you know, we'll be getting guest chefs in, and then we're going to lock into that our, our apprenticeship scheme, which is going into our sixth year, and to me, over the past, I mean, 15 years, 16 years, to me, the apprenticeship scheme is the one, the most important thing we have done within our company, by far, because... Firstly, over 60% of all our chefs are all ex-apprentices. You know, so that says it all. And being realistic, some of them like some of them leave us and not necessarily stay in the industry because even when the commoners as do their apprenticeship scheme as first year, we go out and see other things. So we've had we've had people work for us here now working for Ewings doing smoked salmon. You know, so they're not yes, necessarily they're not necessarily going to come a chef. They come a baker, a fishmonger, a, a master butcher. Or they can go in the industry, or they can go into uh, other types, go and work for you, Simon at Yellow Door, yeah. or whatever. You know, you know. And that's it. And then we had that going for about uh, four years, and then we decided, right, we're going to open our front of house apprenticeship. And Curtis, who you know, run, is one of our, our guys on the bar, great kid, really great kid. And you mean so that, that's where we are now. But through our apprenticeship scheme, we have just backfilled, and because of that there, we have had the opportunity now to expand our business, push our business. Do outside, I mean, outside work, um, as in the dark horse, or we're doing the, the up in the cookery school, or we're doing the, the private dining rooms. The apprenticeship has given us that capability to do it, mm-hmm. and that's where the apprenticeship scheme has really from like Aaron McNeese, who came in with us uh, like six years ago, he's went to Australia, he's now back with us again, and then Keith, who's over just finishing his apprenticeship now, and the guy's just a diamond. When we first started, we had a bit of a wobble with him, he wasn't too sure. 
unbelievable just unbelievable you know and he's only going to go more and more and more and he appreciates what we're trying to do mm. and within our apprenticeships we've got kids coming who've got degrees we've kids with very few exams some kids have no exams to me it doesn't make a difference it's about your passion and everybody's different and trying to build a team around you with everybody with different techniques and passions capabilities even like you I mean their mannerisms mm-hmm. you mean you need somebody in the kitchen with big fun you need somebody in the kitchen who's a bit serious you need somebody who's very methodical so it's building that team up around them and that, that to me is, is the key thing what we're trying to do you know when we people from Hatskies to James Street people who do the cookery school me and Dave are always talking about move him to here because he's you know he'd be strong with her and he'd be, he was really good at training that there so this year we're going into our new apprenticeship and we're like you I mean we're going to be really, if we get six to twelve apprentices like I'll be happy front and back of house I'll be delighted Brilliant. and then we because we pay for it all ourselves we put it all through the college and associations with Belfast Met and it's 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 those things it's just amazing especially for the new for the old staff gives them the opportunity to give a bit of a sparkle and start training again and that's 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 a, yeah, a new yeah. launch in so right first few days you're doing your induction you're doing your training you do a bit of time in the kitchen and to me, that's it. And then you do your wine exams as long as you're over 18, and then you go from there. So, I mean, that, that's where we're coming from. What's your advice to them when they come in the door? To me, the key thing is this thing that Singh said to me um, you come in, pen and paper, have we notebook, write everything down. As soon as you perfect it, tick it off. Next. Also, you mean, if you don't understand something, ask the question. No matter how silly it is, ask the question. Look and listen. Buddy up with somebody, which we do and just do from one section to another section to another section and that's it and head down and listen don't be mouthy just get on with it and that's it um, and as I said any issues you come straight to me you mean when they go to college I look at colleges going to work it's exactly the same thing so if they need their essential skills we'll put them through that there uh, butchery and that but then within the years up they've got an exam they've got a qualification as long as they put the work in and as long as you mean and once again we say to them all you're not guaranteed a job at the end of it I will take the people on board who have done it, and not necessarily the superstars, because in the kitchen you need people who are just you know, the drivers, the plotters, who are just constantly there and they're playing the long game. And it's, it's, it's balancing that up there, but it's about the respect for the team around them. Mm. You know, I have people come on board our apprenticeship scheme who are big personalities, but they just don't gel. So I need a team around me who can gel, and that's the same with our apprenticeship. So as I said, just because you're starting here, guys, you have to prove yourself the whole way through and throughout the year, and that's where you're... Because David would be constantly in contact, and Mary Claire would be constantly in contact with the, the lecturers in the college, so if they don't turn in, we get a phone call. Why do you not turn in? You know, you didn't turn in to work. Oh, it was a college? No, that's work. It's the same thing. You know, so they do their, 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 their two days at college, they do their three, days in the, or three shifts in the restaurant, and then that's them off the rest of the week. So I wouldn't say it's very... Ours-wise, it's, it's pretty simple. But at the same time, just coming into the industry, it's a softly, softly approach to get into. Because I wouldn't say the industry's got the, the, you mean, the sparkle that everybody thinks it has. Yeah. You mean, but to me, it's it. I just love it. I think it's the the the, the service industry, hospitality industry, is the greatest industry to be in. I just love it, and the tourism as well, because you're constantly meeting new people. And when you go out to a restaurant, and you mean Dave or Montero or one of the guys is talking to the customer and they're delighted, especially when you see the Americans and the open was on, the golf was on, they were over and they were just people were just blown away. They got the quality of the product and how friendly it was. Like a guy came in and he's turned around and he says, I love Bud Light and I can't get Bud Light anywhere. And I says, I know where I can get Bud Light. I flew out of the restaurant, got some Bud Light from, came back in again. And these guys are drinking, I mean, what were they drinking? They were drinking the Ridge. Really, really quality Californian wine. Come to Ireland and drink Californian wine, but it's one of the most amazing wines. 
and next thing they were drinking out there, and next thing the, the, the Bud Light comes down, and you hear these screams and cheers, and you mean, a bit of banter. And you mean, they just got us straight away, yeah. and they were a great crack. And that's the great thing now. When we get like the, the, the Japanese, the Koreans, the Americans in, they appreciate it, and they just get it. They love our whiskey, they love our, our banter, they love the food. They eat very differently to us everything in the middle of the table and they share and a few of our young waiters were like going what's that about and I says it's just open your mind and then do it once do it twice got it so you know and that's where we come from it's, it's Belfast is changing big time and it's changing definitely for the better now McKenna I could uh, carry on for another hour or so but, is that it? Um, that uh, unfortunately two more hours <laughs> <laughs> that unfortunately is it for the uh, Pie I Got Here podcast so thank you very much for, for taking part and giving us your time Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Check out Belfast Live and subscribe to the podcast feed.